And you're listening to Louisiana Considered here on WWNO in New Orleans and WRKF in Baton Rouge. I'm Patrick Madden. On the show today, French President Emmanuel Macron visits New Orleans. It's the first visit to Louisiana from France's head of state since 1976. He's expected to tour the French Quarter and talk climate change with Governor John Bell Edwards. And later on in the show, the Bayou Classic, which wrapped last weekend at the Superdome, is more than a football game. It's a celebration of the history and culture of historically black colleges and universities. But first, let's talk about the historic visit to New Orleans by French President Emmanuel Macron. He's expected to touch down at Louis Armstrong New Orleans International Airport this hour. Joining us to give us a rundown of the itinerary is our New Orleans reporter, Carly Berlin. Carly, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Carly, uh, so so what do we know about today's visit? Give us the rundown as, as far as we can tell at this point. Right. So like you said, Macron should be arriving in Louisiana pretty much as we speak. This is part of a larger trip to the States. He's coming here after a visit to the Biden White House yesterday, where talks focused on the war in Ukraine and the economy. Uh, And he should have a pretty packed day here in New Orleans. It's focused on the cultural ties between France and Louisiana, French language learning and environmental issues. So, uh, Carly, it it sounds like they're packing a a lot of different things into the French president's uh, schedule this afternoon and evening. Tell us us what we know about what's going to happen when he gets into New Orleans proper. Sure. So his first stop will be at Jackson Square. It sounds like a crowd is already gathering there to welcome him. New Orleans Mayor Latoya Cantrell and Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser will be there, too. From there, he'll be taking a stroll through the French Quarter over to the historic New Orleans collection, where he'll be met by Governor John Bell Edwards to talk climate change. France and Louisiana are expected to sign an agreement that would create a position for a French energy transition expert on the governor's climate task force. And then Macron will be going over to the New Orleans Museum of Art, where he's going to discuss the importance of preserving Francophone culture here in Louisiana. He's also expected to announce the creation of a new fund to expand French language learning here in the state. And then he'll join representatives from the state's music and film industries for dinner. And after all of that, he'll wrap up his visit with a walk down Frenchman Street to hear some New Orleans music tonight. Well, that that should be a fun uh, and interesting visit for the French president. And you can stay with us here at WWNO and WRKF. We'll have coverage of that visit later today. Uh, Carly Berlin, uh, we know you have to go to get uh, in in place for for that MOU signing later today. Carly, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Patrick. All right. And this is Louisiana Considered. I'm Patrick Madden. And it's also Friday. So we talk politics with our co-host, Stephanie Grace, editorial page director and columnist for The Times-Picayune and The New Orleans Advocate. Stephanie, happy Friday. Happy Friday. Um, Stephanie, Let's talk about, let's start with the governor's race. That seems to be the hot political topic here in Louisiana, mm-hmm. even though the race is next year. Um, mm-hmm. s- some news, uh, State Treasurer John Schroeder announcing that he will not run if Senator John Kennedy decides to throw his hat in the ring. Uh, Stephanie, wh- what does this all mean? Well, in some ways, it's not really unexpected. There's been this kind of um, waiting game ever since it became clear that 
Jeff Landry, the attorney general, Republican, very ideological, kind of divisive, was going to run. He's announced there's been this kind of, okay, who else, who can stop him movement? And that's not just among Democrats at all. It's also among kind of more centrist or mainstream Republicans. And the, the kind of thinking was you probably need a really big name to kind of coalesce, um, the, you know, the other voters who are not Landry's base. And a lot of speculation centered on members of Congress. So we have Bill Cassidy and John Kennedy, the two senators, Garrett Graves, the congressman from Baton Rouge, were kind of the three people up for discussion. Um, Cassidy has, and, and you know, and the weight at that point was the midterm elections because all of them were, well, Cassidy wasn't on the ballot, but basically everybody was waiting to see how the congressional elections would shake out. So that's now happened. Cassidy so has said he will not run. That's the big announcement. Kennedy has said he is looking at it and he released a poll showing that he is, you know, kind of the favorite and very popular. Of course, he was just reelected. He just asked Louisiana voters for a six year term. So in some ways, turning around and saying, never mind, now I want to be governor. Might you think it might hurt him, but but maybe not. Um, he uh, he got 62 percent of the vote, I believe. Again, it wasn't much of a contest. So. Uh, so everyone's waiting on Kennedy and Kennedy kind of has this tradition of saying he was interested in things and kind of dragging things out. And that's kind of um, not an unfamiliar position for him to be in. And the rest of the field is really kind of frozen at this point, waiting to see what he's going to do. Um, Billy Nungesser, the lieutenant governor, the Republican who has made his interest in running for governor known kind of way back. He was one of the first people expected to get in. He's holding off and he has said he's waiting to see what's going to happen. He His birthday is January 10th, so he said he'll announce it by then, but he is absolutely floating the possibility that he might run for re-election instead. And now John Schroeder, the state treasurer, who also expressed interest very early on, has said, look, John Kennedy, I mean, he, he was Kennedy's successor, their allies. And he, Kennedy supported him to, you know, as his replacement when John Kennedy was treasurer for a long time. When he went off to the Senate, he said, John Kennedy supported me. I support him. If, if that's what he wants, I will, if he decides to run, I will run for reelection. So um, that leaves a lot of gubernatorial, you know, there are other lesser known candidates out there who are talking about running. But, you know, at this point, all attention is on kind of the big names and these are the big names. And, you know, one kind of interesting downhill effect of this is there were a bunch of people getting ready to run for lieutenant governor and treasurer thinking the jobs would be open. Maybe they won't be. Mm. So a lot of eyes on John Kennedy. And, and Stephanie, let, let's switch gears and, and talk about the New Orleans City Council and the mayor. Mm -hmm. The council passed the budget yesterday, a nearly $1.5 billion spending plan aimed at tackling blight, police recruitment, city infrastructure. We've seen a lot of contentious back and and forth between the two branches of government, but it seems like they were able to sort of come together pretty easily uh, with this budget. It, it was, you know, kind of less hostile than you, we've come to expect in this environment where the council and the mayor have just been going at each other on so many different issues, so many different levels. Um, of course, crime is the, along with infrastructure, crime is really the big issue. And the mayor had a proposal to recruit police officers, um, very generous bonuses and, and benefits to try to just get some bodies into the department because as we all know, the, the staffing is really at a kind of a crisis level and everybody agrees on that. Um, 
not everyone agrees on why. And one of the things that happened is the council kind of pushed back on one of her proposals, which was to give free health care for recruits and their families, um, with the idea being that's, you know, it's not the benefits that are keeping people from joining up. It's other problems with the right. department. It's the culture. It's the, you know, the kind of difficulty of being a Dorland's cop. Um, so it's, it's, you know, but, but the mayor's office basically said we got most of what we wanted and we're happy. So, you know, some kind of less hostile words going back and forth, which is really not what we've seen at all. And of course it helps a lot that there's a lot of money right. to, to spend around. So council members got, you know, some things they wanted in their districts. There's a lot of money. There's money for blight re remediation. There's money for infrastructure, um, you know, that doesn't necessarily paper over a lot of the operational issues that the city's facing, but it's better than not. Hmm. And we're talking with Stephanie Grace of the Times-Picayune, New Orleans advocate. You can read Stephanie's uh, columns at NOLA.com. Stephanie, in, in about a minute, uh, December mm -hmm. 10th, Saturday night, runoff elections in Louisiana. Any, right. What do you think are the, the big things you're looking at right now? The, the big thing in this part of the state is a public service commission race between Lambert Boissier, who's a longtime incumbent, and Devante Lewis, kind of a progressive challenger to Boissier, who's a Democrat. But it's kind of, you know, progressive versus more progressive. Um, there's a lot of national money coming in to support Lewis. And the fact that he kind of pushed Boissier into a runoff, it's going to be a very, very low turnout election. And, and Lewis's supporters are energized. So it's mm. I, I don't know which way it's going to go. All right. Well, we'll be following that. Uh, Stephanie Grace, thank you for joining us on Louisiana Considered, and have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. And you're listening to Louisiana Considered here on WWNO in New Orleans and WRKF in Baton Rouge. I'm Patrick Madden. Last weekend in New Orleans saw the ninth annual Bayou Classic, a celebration of historically black college and university culture and history at the Caesar Superdome. The weekend of events included a football game, fan fest, musical performances, and the announcement of new funding for both Grambling and Southern University from the beverage company and sponsor Diageo. To learn more about the event and the importance of celebrating HBCU history, WWNO's Alana Shriver spoke with Dr. Danielle Robinson, Head of Community Engagement and Partnerships at Diageo, Dennis Shields, President Chancellor of Southern University, and Rick Gallo, President of Grambling University. To start, tell me a little bit about the details behind this big affair. Who was there? What was the lineup of events? Um, it's a classic game between uh, Grambling State University and Southern University, and we as Diageo are really proud to show up with our iconic brands for the first time to, but not the last, of course, um, to celebrate the annual Bayou Classic and have our presence in the moments that matter within HBCU and Black culture. Dr. Shields, go ahead. So I, I won't dwell on the football game in deference to my colleague from Grambling State. Um, <laughs> But there was a battle of the bands. Uh, you know, the two bands from the two schools are amazing, uh, amazing performers. In times when our football teams may not be quite as salty as we'd like, everybody comes just to see the bands. So there's a battle of the bands. Uh, Southern U University had a, a board meeting uh, where we recognized the number of individuals and companies that were providing support. The Louisiana Legislative Black Caucus 
had a, a jazz brunch that was a fundraiser for scholarships for both of, the, both of our institutions. And uh, I think at last count, there were 56,000 or so fans in the stands for the game. So pretty amazing gathering. Yeah, well, I want to dig into the football game just a little bit more. I mean, HBCUs just have such a rich history when it comes to sports and sports culture. So can you tell me a little bit about sports history at these two schools, how it was celebrated this past weekend and how the game ultimately went down? Let me take that one and and let me say publicly what, what I shared privately through text message. Congratulations to President Shields and the Southern University Jaguars. Uh, not not only did they uh, win the game on uh, on Saturday, but uh, they now lead by one in the overall uh, Bayou Classic record. Uh, they now have 25 wins. Grambling has 24. And so, uh, you know, one thing that uh, I always like to say, there is always next year. So, uh, but it it is uh, an iconic event. It is the the granddaddy of all uh, HBCU classics. Uh, when you you look at the uh, attendance of 62,337 as a uh, lifelong resident of Grambling, uh, Grambling, Louisiana, the community of Grambling. I've had an opportunity to see this from uh, the vantage point of uh, its early beginnings where we played the game at the old Tulane Stadium uh, to when we uh, moved to the Superdome. And, and I, as a, a member of the world Fame Tiger Marching Band, I saw it as a, you know, as a student performing in, in the band. Uh, as a legislator, uh, you know, when, when I served in both the House and the Senate for the, the Black Caucus brunch, which is an annual event. But, you know, again, the, the coaches luncheon, the, the Greek show, uh, the biz tech challenge where our students have an opportunity to create uh, business um, ideas and, and compete. And this year, Dillard University came in first and uh, Grambling uh, came in second. So there are just so many different activities that that go on throughout the uh, throughout the weekend. Uh, we're only scratching the surface. Sounds like a lot of fun. Well, the game was between Southern and Grambling, but of course, this really isn't just about those two schools. It's about HBCUs at large. So tell me a little bit about how this event really emphasizes the connection between all the HBCUs in Louisiana, but also around the country. You know, what brings them all together in this network? Well, one of the observations I'd make is that this game, through the auspices of NBC, it was nationally televised. So fans and spectators across the country uh, had the opportunity to tune in, which, tune in, which was great for our alumni bases, which are scattered across the country, but also for those uh, channel surfers, uh, uh, sports channel surfers, it gives them an introduction to, to this. One of the things that I think is important to know is that HBCU football has had a profound impact on all of football. We have, uh, both of us have Hall of Famers, uh, NFL stars. Uh, I remember Doug Williams uh, leading uh, the, the, uh, the Washington Commanders, they're called now, uh, to a Super Bowl title. I think he threw five or six touchdowns, but it gives an opportunity to showcase this wonderful talent. And you see that across all of the, the sports. Both of our institutions could identify uh, our, our alumni who are in Baseball Hall of Fame, uh, Football Hall of Fame, uh, track and field, et cetera. 
And from the Grambling perspective, you know, of course, uh, Doug Williams, you know, going on to be the, the first uh, African-American to start uh, at quarterback in a Super Bowl and to be the MVP of a Super Bowl is, is certainly something that we're, we're very proud of. And our students have an opportunity to, as, as President Shields said, to to compete and do this on a, on a national and really on a, on a global scale, because, you know, clearly with the with the streaming. So whether you, you were a football player a uh, member of the band, our cheerleaders, our royal courts, uh, the ROTC units, um, all of the students who help support our respective uh, TV centers for, for the two campuses, you know, our equipment managers and the student managers who you know, are working in an, F, uh, in an NFL facility I mean, not every school gets that uh, gets that opportunity. It really sounds like there's just something for everyone at the Bayou Classic. We are speaking with Dr. Danielle Robinson, Head of Community Engagement and Partnerships at Diageo, Dennis Shields, President Chancellor of Southern University, and Rick Gallo, President of Grambling University, about the 49th Annual Bayou Classic. Dr. Robinson, you represent Diageo, which has a $10 million HBCU endowment fund supporting 25 universities. So tell me about this endowment fund, who it supports, and how Diageo decided to embark on this HBCU partnership. Um, well, both presidents alluded to the need for uh, additional scholarships and financial support for the students, and um, we saw that need as well. So we really wanted to do something that was sustainable, um, that wasn't a one-time check, but the beginning of a conversation for sustainable partnerships. So we took $10 million to donate to 25 historically Black colleges to create endowment funds, which will be there, you know, into perpetuity and annually um, fund need-based scholarships. And we've taken our the, the funding that we, or the tax credit that we earned, and reinvested that back in to some additional HBCUs, which we'll be announcing in the, ne in the next couple of months. So, you know, we're, we're here for the long haul. Um, we, um, you know, I have a lot of respect for both of these schools and the work that these presidents are are doing across their their universities and helping students prepare to enter corporate America. So anything that we as Diageo can do to support that, we will continue to do. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd emphasize also that while the, the financial support is extraordinarily important and special and we're grateful for it, as critical is the active engagement of Diageo on our campuses with our students, with our career services, because we're the pipeline of talent into these companies. And today's students don't want to just see you at the career fair. They want to see you right. over the course of their college careers. And that's why it's so special for a company like Diageo to know that and be actively engaged with us uh, on an ongoing basis. Well, I do want to shift focus briefly. Earlier this year, we saw a series of bomb threats targeting HBCU campuses. How did the HBCU community respond to this? How were schools able to work together during all of this? Well, well you know, it's always okay. scary when uh, those sorts of things happen. And, and what, I, what I will tell you is that, that we're grateful for the immediate support that we got from law enforcement locally, um, nation, uh, statewide, and the federal authorities. In fact, uh, I've been in conversations with the FBI just in the last week or two as, as follow-ups. Uh, one of the things that came from that is uh, uh, they're providing us with a, a bomb-sniffing uh, canine moving forward. Uh, 
I, I think in this time, it is challenging to keep an even keel in the face of what of trying to determine what's a really a live threat and, and what is just a crank just trying to get attention. And that's the difficult part of, of, of this. And although we were not a, a, a did not receive direct threats, what, what we did was to use the uh, the timing to do training. You know, it's, as I've spoken to some of my colleagues who were, you know, who did receive the threats, I mean, it's it's disruptive. Uh, and, you know, we certainly are, are very grateful, as President Shields said, uh, for our state, uh, local and, and federal, um, you know, partners in law enforcement who have been so incredibly uh, on the spot and uh, and attentive to and have taken these uh, these threats seriously. One of the, uh, you know, lead FBI agents, I, I don't know if I should, I won't say his name, but he's a Southern University graduate. Uh, but he has been, you know, if I need him, I've got him on speed dial and, and he answers my calls just like he will answer Dr. Shields' calls. Uh, and, and so, again, it is, it is an opportunity for us to to really, you know, thank our, our partners, local, state and federal uh, law enforcement, law enforcement agencies for their support during this, uh, this very difficult time. And it draws the whole HBCU community together. Mm -hmm. So no matter how uh, fiercely we compete on the athletic fields, uh, the first people that we hear from when these kind of things happen are our colleagues at our sister HBCU institutions. I mean, it definitely did highlight the strength of the support and connections between all HBCUs. This has been Dr. Danielle Robinson, Head of Community Engagement and Partnerships at Diageo, Dennis Shields, President Chancellor of Southern University, and Rick Gallo, President of Grambling University. Thank you all so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. And you're listening to Louisiana Considered here on WWNO and WRKF as we await the uh, arrival of the French president to New Orleans. And now we're actually going to go to Jackson Square, where our reporter, Kezia Setiawan, ha has been checking out the scene. Uh, I guess the, the mayor of New Orleans, Latoya Cantrell, just spoke. Uh, Kezia, tell us what it's like down in Jackson Square right now. Yeah, the weather is beautiful. Um, there are... There's quite a few folks waiting behind the barricades, awaiting uh, French President Macron's arrival here. Um, Mayor Control spoke with members of the media, saying how it was truly an honor and a privilege to be able to host French President Macron, as well as this was the part of this trip that he's most looking into. So again, um, in his very busy day trip, the agenda includes focusing on talking about climate change and energy transition and um, with Governor John Bell Edwards, uh, as well as focusing on Francophone culture and French language learning here in the state. Um, here in Louisiana, we have about 32 French immersion programs. Um, he's expected to announce a new fund to expand French learning, as well as there's a big cross-cultural exchange of having uh, teachers from France come here to teach students in French and and Kezia, uh, it, it's one of the great details that uh, I think you you found out is that um, the French president doesn't want to actually shut down the the French Quarter uh, for this because he wants to really feel the the environment uh, and the ambiance of the French Quarter. Yes, yes. Uh, the mayor also noted that, saying like, "Oh, 
he was saying something along the lines of like, oh, don't worry about security or protocol. And she was like, of course, we're going to have to worry about that. <laughs> but um, yeah, people, while folks are gathered, uh, tourists, locals alike are all still traveling through the quarter. Uh, live music is playing. Nice. Um, the balconies are being decorated. Maybe he'll we'll see him season. later with with a hurricane in his hand or, or another uh, French Quarter drink. Uh, Casey, I said, yeah, one. Thank you so much. Yes, of course. And that's going to wrap up our show on Louisiana Considered. We'll have more coverage of the French president's visit on WWNO and WRKF. Everyone have a great weekend. Major support for Louisiana Considered provided by Rouse's Markets, a Louisiana shopping experience. More at Rouse's.com with additional support from the Sazerac House.